1: Indeed, found no proscenium, the voice of everything immersive. I'm your host, Noah Nelson, and welcome to episode three sixty one this week on the show we chat with members of the creative team of Nightfall at Old Tucson Eric Blair and Michael Thomas Visgar, about how they're transforming the classic haunted amusement park attraction into an immersive playground of the spooky variety this year then Justin Fix of JFI Productions swings by to talk The Willows which is returning to LA with its first spooky season addition. Yeah, that's true. Haven't done it in spooky season before. And we do what Justin and I always do, which is we start talking the business of immersive. Before we get to our latest backers, a couple of reminders. First, the RSVPs for the New York City Immersive Meetup on Monday, November 14th are now open to all this is a free event. Tickets are first come, first served. It's happening from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. at Gymnopedi, the location of Bottom of the Ocean. All of this has been put together by our dear friend Andrew Hefner, the creator of Bottom of the Ocean, uh, and what's Really, truly wonderful about it. Not what's really, truly wonderful about it, but Andrew is so generous that he's he's giving NoPro the drink revenue that night. So... Uh, everyone's got a chance to go to this now. Uh, this meetup features a live panel discussion at 8 p.m. with some of the East Coast's top immersive creators, including interactive installation artist Risa Puno, Moritz Marty of Mystic Escape Rooms, interactive theater and games creator Jessica Crean, Evan Neiden, creator of Candlehouse Collective's Remote Interactive Experiences, Alex Jamaj, the founder of immersive arts venue Future Proof, and Andrew Hefner creator of bottom of the ocean all of this is going to be moderated by our own ali Murata. should be a really wonderful night i was just at a really cool event at vellum la that our friend jesse damiani put together along with his partner nancy baker cahill who gave the keynote and nancy's uh work is up at the gallery right now and uh, it was it was not only a great event in and of itself for all the, the, the talks that were happening uh, just in in a couple hours there. It was also a wonderful chance to reconnect with members of the community uh, who I haven't seen except inside a Zoom uh, in a long time. Got, got to see some got to see some friends. Uh, it was good. Got to meet some people I've only ever talked to uh, over over the phone. So uh, kind of still we're still in that mode. We're still reconnected. All right, so if you're in New York, go check that out. Links in the show notes for the, that RSVP. Snap those tickets up. Remember, it's free. Also, if you're a no-pro backer, you still have access to the discount code for the Denver Immersive Gathering, which is coming up this coming November fourth, fifth, and sixth there in Denver. We've got just fifty tickets left. Actually, we got forty-eight tickets left as last I checked. So just that, just. A, Just a couple of score tickets left. Uh, The attendee survey, which is how we start booking everybody into stuff, that goes out this coming week. So that means this weekend is the perfect time to grab a ticket and get your picks in. Attendees will have their choice of experiences like Rabbit Hole Recreation Services, including a run hosted by Room Escape Artist, courtesy of the folks at the Morty app. Thank you all we'll also have a chance uh, for the Denver Film Festival's XR Gallery, the lineup for which is announcing on Monday. I've seen it. It's good. We've liked a lot of these things. Uh, you know, you might not have had an opportunity to check it out yet. Uh, the Dig Pop-Up Festival is happening. Uh, you also get a chance to hit up Shicky Dreams, Zoto, a supernatural Japanese folk's tale, and our unconference. All of those are options for Saturday. There's a lot going on Saturday. And every ticket comes with access to Meow Wolf Convergence Station on Friday as part of uh, the digs of visit. Uh, there's special chances to go behind the scenes at the Denver Center for the Performing Arts. Uh, and we've also got the keynote talk from the creative team behind Galactic Star Cruiser and our community discussion, Building the Immersive City, plus the big dig party at the Sports Castle on Saturday night. That's something All that stuff is something everybody gets to do, and those tickets are just $200. It's $200 for all that, for general admission, or just $150 if you've got the no-pro-backer discount code. Why? Because our backers make all of our work, including the work done helping to organize the dig, possible. Uh, Thanks to pledges made at patreon.com slash no by folks like Tom Black and Mazzetti, who are our two latest backers, which brings us up to an incredible 32 new backers this month, uh, largely uh, thanks to the bottom of the ocean uh, promotion that happened. Um, And this is leaving us just 10 backers shy away from 400. And 400 is, is, is a big number for us. So now is the time to help spread the word and to launch us into sustainability. If you're already a backer, uh, share stuff out. Uh, if you can, go to uh, Apple Podcasts and give us a review, <laughs> positive one, please. Uh, and just help us build the audience. The audience keeps on growing. It's it's a couple of people here, a couple of people there. In all honesty, just telling if everyone who's listening to the show, right? If anyone, everyone engage with our stuff. Just talk to one person who they think would like it, who they know doesn't engage with it. Uh, well, then we double our audience like that and hopefully double our backers like that. It could be that easy. It's not that easy, but it could be. Uh, so patreon.com slash no percent if you've got the cash. If you don't, uh, please help spread the word however you can. We're also on the lookout for community partners who are uh, up for working out special deals for our backers. If you are such a person, hit me up at Noah at for details. And as always big thanks to our sustaining backers. They are Ari Herstand, Chris Woolman, Samantha Davison, Eric Shamlin, Elaine, Jay Bushman, Jerome, Joseph Gentis, David Bassick, Richard Ayers, Lonnie hands on Mark Balthazar, Sydney Guillory and Jan Budman. Thank you all. And with that, Let's get into this week's interviews. When night falls on old Tucson, undreamt of nightmares stalk the streets. Or so it was for years before the pandemic pause upended everything in 2020. Old Tucson Studios changed hands during the high pandemic, but you can't keep a good haunt down. And this year, not only is Nightfall back, but it's being structured as a fully immersive experience that combines the mazes, stunt shows, and a town full of characters into one grand narrative. Joining us to talk about it are Eric Blair, Creative Director. Hi, how are you? And Michael Thomas Viscar, Production Manager. Hello. Who are taking a short break from the hard work of summoning the new Nightfall. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us on the show this week. Eric, uh, let's start with you. Uh, I gave the short version so could you give the medium version of what folks can expect from Nightfall this year?
2: Uh, Sure. Uh, Nightfall this year is going to be uh, one long story that happens over six hours Uh, You will have a full town of people, all of whom have their own stories, their own narratives that audiences can track, that they can enjoy, that they can experience. If they want to get scared, we also have mazes that they can go off to and enjoy those that also narratively connect. And we have uh, two different uh, stunt shows that stand as part of the story as well. So no matter which way audiences go, no matter how they choose to experience the show, it is all uh, one story that happens all night long that they can just enjoy in, in sort of whatever fashion they want to. Uh, I don't know of any other haunt that's ever tried to do something quite like this, so I'm I'm really excited about it.
1: Well, I'll, I'll, we'll get into some of the inspirations for for why you're taking things this way and 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 how it all settled out. Uh, but before I do that, I, one more thing about the story here. So it's going to be one grand narrative. Can you share a little bit what that narrative is going to be about? What's the what's the story happening here? Uh, what's sure, the, the idea.
2: Sure. At at its at its most basic, uh, there is an election going on in the town between the current mayor and a sort of new. Uh, uh, surprise guest who has shown up in the last couple of months and who is sort of taking the town by storm. It's sort of a story of somebody who wants to hold a town in sort of its current uh, uh, position, its current place, and somebody who wants to move it forward. That's the sort of general narrative, but there is a lot of subtlety, there are a lot of secrets, Uh, There are a lot of things hidden away that people can seek out and find that influence that story. Uh, Audiences even get to late in the evening vote on which uh, candidate they want to have, and and it will change the story depending on which way they go. So uh, it it really is designed to be something that you can just come and get scared if you want to, but if you want to go digging deeper into the story, there are hints and secrets and uh, clues and things that can alter both how characters react and what you know about the story everywhere you go,
1: Michael old Tucson shut down during the height of the pandemic, and nightfall is kind of its grand return. Can you talk to us about what's going into bringing everything back because this has got to be a little bit more than just the usual hey uh, putting on the, the 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 seasonal show
3: yeah, uh it's definitely been a whirlwind for us, so we got the uh, lease to the park and the end of march of this year so we've had about five months we'll have had to set up the entire park to be ready to do nightfall um so it's it's been a lot of work considering that the um technical infrastructure like lights and sound non-existent when we got here um and so we've had to purchase and rent you know just piles and piles of gear to make the show happen um Uh, And as well as like rehire a full staff for a park. So, you know, we've had a little bit of holdover from who worked here before, but mostly everyone is brand new and that uh, creating, you know, something this large in such a short time span has been, um, I mean, not only exciting, but definitely a little daunting.
1: And and this is not something that the, the the park has has done before. This kind of grand immersive narrative, no. right?
3: Yeah, they've um it, it typically nightfall in the past has been just like a normal haunt, similar to Knott's Berry Farm or um, Six Flags. You know where there's scare actors roaming the streets, uh, and you, you they're just there to scare everyone. There's mazes as well. Um, they've always had that, but the our our new look on it is trying to make it something truly unique to what old Tucson itself is and, and go the immersive route with that.
1: So uh, why, why was it decided to go this way? Like Eric, how did, how did, how did you wind up getting on this project and, and the, the new owners, why did they want to chase after this? Cause it can be kind of complex to, to, to get all these moving parts going together.
2: Uh, it can indeed. Uh, this is actually probably a better question for Michael because they came to me with it. They yeah. came to me with the idea of immersive already already formed in their head.
3: So, yeah, we I started working for this new co- the company that took over Old Tucson on March 28th and was flown down here on like April 3rd. And um, my boss, Mike May, and I were walking around the park and trying to figure out what we wanted to do. Uh, with Nightfall because we knew that we needed to reopen for it because it's the 30th anniversary of the event Um, and it's, it's a special thing for the town here and as we were walking through we had done so much research on what it used to be and I know a lot of people love haunts but for us we were like I want something that's a little more we're both theater creators and we were talking about like well what if there were Meow Wolf type things you know like there's just art that also influences the story because we both love, um, all of those exhibits that you can go to. And then that sort of developed into this needs to be a wild west town. We need to feel like we're in a living, breathing wild west town that has these, uh, extra, you know, things happening to it that are in the Halloween genre. Um, but, in wanting to make the event a little bit more family friendly in parts so that, you know, parents can bring their kids, not have to necessarily worry about finding babysitters to go out, out with each other. Um, we were like, this needs to be a fully immersive event. And I was like, I know the guy to do it. I've uh, known Eric for seven or eight years, I think at this point, um, and we've, we've done some theater together. And I was like, I've got the guy for us to help create the event and make it, um, what we want it to be
1: when you were going around the the studios and you were thinking about the immersive uh you mentioned meow wolf had you guys been to knots ghost town alive because the the idea of kind of a living wild west yeah. town that's been something that's been kind of fueling a, a resurgence of of love for knots here in the southland for yeah a
3: while. for sure um i have been there once i actually have a friend who was um a mayor one of the mayors there uh, and he did it for a few summers. And so I went one time to see him, but I didn't quite experience it. Now I wish I had, because I I went there and we saw him and then we just went on the roller coasters. Um, now I'm like, oh, I wish I had experienced all of that. But I know Eric has been yes. uh, in the past.
2: Yeah, I've been.
1: So so is is do you feel like maybe what you're doing is a little bit in conversation with what with the, the, those guys have been doing? Because one thing that they haven't done so far is they haven't seemed to have mashed up the their summer ghost town alive with the classic not scary farm. And the second I heard about what you were doing at Nightfall, I was like, oh, that that sounds a bit like what you're doing here.
2: Yeah, I I think I think it definitely lives in. Uh... Uh, Nightfall definitely lives in the same sort of uh, uh, conversation, the same sort of vein as what Ghost Town Alive does. What I what I really uh love about Ghost Town was uh watching uh people who seem to be coming to their park specifically to do that. They don't even seem interested in, in the rides necessarily. They're coming just to do uh just to do the Ghost Town Alive. And I thought that's so interesting. That's the kind of thing I want to see happen. Uh, here at Nightfall. So we've, as I've been building it, as as Michael said, we wanted it to be a little more family friendly. So I, I I sort of have built it in a way that unlike most haunts, once you enter, the haunt comes to you, right? You go through the scare zones and there are monsters, you know, jumping at you out of the darkness and, and out of the fog. And then you go into the mazes and more monsters jump. And I love that. Personally, I'm a huge haunt guy. Uh, and I love going to places like that But here we wanted to make it sort of feel more like you can come into the town itself and you can experience the town and the people who live there and the stories they have. And then if you want to get scared, you sort of go to the edges of the town because that's where the monsters lie, you know, sort of Mm -hmm. here there be dragons Mm -hmm. at the edge of town. And... Once I thought of it that way, a, a sort of center area that's more family-friendly, and then the, the scare zone areas, so sort of maze areas on the outside, uh, that then fueled the whole idea of the story itself. So in the narrative, it also is the case that the center of town is fairly safe, and then as you go to the outskirts that's where that's where the danger lies and that danger over the course of the night begins to impede further and further into the town and i thought that's such a great idea to combine sort of a living town mm-hmm. with the idea of mazes and find a way to sort of spin it all into one one full story with the hope that people will come back more than once mm-hmm. i i don't think it's possible to see everything that that is that is here in one night. But what I do know is if you come see one night, you may see a scene happen and then see a maze. And then the next time you come spot, oh wait, this thing happening in this maze actually is referencing that thing that I saw happen in the town square or that thing I saw happen at this other maze or that thing that happened in the, uh, in the stunt show. And I, I really just loved the idea of trying to weave all the various pieces of stuff together, and see if we could make it something truly coherent that people could also experience any way they want to, and still feel like they they saw enough of the story that they enjoyed enough that they would that they that they would find the whole thing worth doing.
1: Michael, you mentioned that you you come up with theater background. I'm wondering, uh, is this one of your first forays into theme park land and the themed entertainment, or, or have you been in these fields before?
3: Uh, I worked at Disney for almost five years as a performer in the Frozen Live at the Hyperion show. Um, So, you know, and I was a part of the workshop and the development of the show. So I have some experience, not on the producing side like I am now, but some experience watching something be mounted for a theme park. Now, obviously, Disney is gigantic, but that has definitely influenced a lot of how we're trying to operate here. Um, the professionalism we're trying to bring in. Um, it's just on like the uh, cultural side of the company and, um, and our install and, and the, the quality of people that we're bringing in to produce our stuff.
1: Eric, you're known to know pro readers for making interactive LARP inspired theater here in LA. You, you mentioned how excited you are to kind of like have the, this kind of you know center of town and then at the outskirts of town the 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 haunt kind of really kicks in high gear what's it like though working on a canvas as large as a whole theme park after you know doing fringe shows and, and chamber larps and 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 things of kind of a medium scale and now there's there's a lot of space to fill
2: there is a lot of space to fill uh <laughs> it it has been it has been in all sincerity it, it it's been a joy like i i have been uh as excited as I think I've ever been building something uh, like this. It, it does bring different challenges, of course, because you now have to think in terms of, of trying to handle a couple thousand people and finding enough, uh, uh, enough content, enough uh, uh, structure, and enough sort of moving bodies around and, and trying to flowchart things in the hopes that you can make sure everybody has a good time, that everybody sees enough. And that's, it, it's definitely a different challenge. But it's also, uh, I, 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 I honestly, I feel like this is the, this is the challenge I have been sort of working towards for a long, long time. Uh, I've had ideas about doing something like this uh, for four or five years. So when the opportunity showed up, I, I I sort of felt like I had prepped for it for several, you know, for several years, sort of planning ideas and thinking how would I do that, and this is the chance to see whether or not. Uh, all those ideas I have are going are gonna, to uh, pan out. I think they are. I, I, I'm quite excited about what we've got happening here, and I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be really, uh, really different and fun. And like it, I, like I, I'm planning on, on roaming the park uh, myself quite a few nights uh, just to see how it's playing out. Because that's the other thing that I'm really, really excited about. Here is, is I don't think this is a one-time event. I feel like this is the first. Version of a longer, uh, you know, uh, uh, an ongoing uh, build uh, to make this better and better every year. So, uh, what we do this year will be, uh, will be sort of the first iteration of what I think is going to get uh, bigger still in the years to come. And I'm, I'm really excited about uh, sort of getting a chance to put that together and, and, and sort of setting the, the stakes for what it's going to become both this year and, and farther out.
1: Immersive still kind of a a rarity in in so many ways, and I'm wondering, you know, as you were staffing and and casting, and even as kind of word about what you're doing is getting out into the community in, in Tucson, uh, are are you finding folks kind of feeling this is like an alien thing being dropped in, or 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 are all the performers in the audience who've who taken note so far? Are they already aware that, that this is you know a thing now?
3: The performers, I think, were have been really excited about it through auditions um, and through our callback process. The, the performers that we cast seemed very excited about about what we were doing. If, if you think that's correct, Eric.
2: Um, I do I do.
3: Yeah. Uh, I don't think the Tucson audience quite knows exactly what they're going to experience yet. I think that they I I think it's just so massive um, that I think they're going to be in for a surprise with how much content that they're going to have at their fingertips when they walk into the park.
1: We've mentioned Meow Wolf. Uh, I I brought up Knots. What else is inspiring you guys, Uh, you know, be it be it other themed attractions or, or, or movies or just ghost stories? What else is going into this mix here?
2: for me this is uh there are there are a lot of of uh themes about uh supernatural and and just halloween themes in general that that i find myself drawn to repeatedly uh things like vampires things like werewolves things like uh uh uh, zombies and cults and and sort of the the sort of classic tropes of of uh of uh halloween that that happen repeatedly uh and I, I always find myself trying to find new and different ways to do them uh, so that if it's going to be a zombie story, it'll be a little different. If it's going to be something vampire, something wolf, it'll be different. There is some of that happening here for sure. There are there are uh, multiple different mazes and what's happening in those mazes, uh, there's definitely some sort of classic, uh, uh, classic Halloween uh, scare stuff built into there. Uh, the people in town are inspired by uh, Western movies, by, uh, st- by fil- sh- uh, films and shows that were actually shot at Old Tucson. I did a lot of research into what had been actually shot in, at Old Tucson and then w- used a lot of those films and uh, the TV shows to inspire some of the characters in the town itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also find myself uh, always inspired by the years of LARP uh, storytelling that I did uh, largely in the uh, in the White Wolf and and the the you know sort of horror side of Larping, and so uh, I always I always find that no matter what I'm looking at, no matter what I'm building, it always always feels like it's going to have some sort of uh, a, a world of darkness, some sort of our world, but not quite our world, our world but a darker edge uh, feel to it, and. In this case, I get to do that on a big, uh, large scale, uh, and and uh, and hide sort of uh, humans and monsters all over the place. Even in the middle of town, there are some characters that, if you uh, if you dig a little deeper, you'll find that not all is as it appears to be. Some of them are purely human. Some of them, maybe not so.
1: Uh, this. Brings to mind because you mentioned LARP again. How LARPY is this going to be for the guests? Are are they given roles? Are they expected to cosplay as part of this? Or you know, how are you approaching that dimension?
2: For this show, uh, for this uh, haunt, audiences get to just be themselves. Uh, we we when uh, characters interact with them, they will simply uh, refer to them as citizens of Nightfall. We don't expect the uh the audience to to necessarily uh interact in any other way but themselves. Uh those people who decide they want to to get a little more interactivey, uh to get a little more uh conversational can do so. But I thought it was really important this year specifically that when we bring back nightfall, which is a tradition, uh as Michael said, it's the 30th anniversary. It's such a tradition here. I, when we wanted to bring it back and add something to it, I wanted to make sure that that addition was as accessible as we could make it. So audiences are just themselves. Uh, the, the The characters won't reference whatever you know, your clothing they're wearing or anything like that. They'll just they'll just interact with them as citizens, allowing people to just choose to have some fun. and a lot of what you can do there is just watch. If you want to just watch a bunch of uh, people have scenes and sort of follow stories that way, you can do that. But every single one of the characters that you'll see in a scene uh, is a fully-fledged character. They all have backstories, They all know who they like, who they dislike, uh, who, they, who they are trying to uh, figure out something about, who it is they're trying to avoid. And audiences can get as sort of enmeshed in that as they choose to get but if they want to be a little more passive, the, the the experience will allow for that too. We really wanted it to be uh, sort of a celebration of what has happened in Nightfall while adding this new layer to it uh, in the hopes that people will uh, will find it something really fun to play around with.
1: Michael, from a production standpoint, what challenge are you most looking forward to tackling as you guys get this up on its feet? Um, I...
3: I mean, it's all been, uh, super exciting in in terms of the, the, the challenges, um, of managing such like a large production, you know, um, we've got like eight designers, 60 cast members. Um, and, but I think I'm most excited for, you know, doing a stunt show, managing that challenge. I've never done anything with stunts before. So that's been, uh, extremely fun to work with our stunt coordinator and our, our local production manager as well, um, on getting that up on its feet. Um, but I, always in a management position, I, I think that the best part of it is seeing a team come together and create something cohesively out of 60 minds, because that's kind of what we're doing or 80 minds, however many of us there are working on this project. Um, and that's, uh, you can't put a a, a price on, on the feeling of, of when that happens.
1: Excellent. Well, gentlemen, it is very exciting that this is happening at old Tucson. It's, it's great to see a park that had gotten shut down during pandemic reopen in of itself, but to have the debut be this really, really big swing, uh, is just fantastic to see. And so I'm wishing you great success. And, and indeed, Eric, uh, that this is just the beginning of something, and and not just uh, one big party. Um, anything else that folks should know about Nightfall before before we head on into the dark?
0: Uh, right. I
2: think I think people. I, I think uh, you know. I think the uh, uh, the the thing I want people most to know about this is uh, you. Know, this is it's so it's so. Uh, so different to try and and uh, uh, and make something that sort of is an icon and and calls to all the people who traditionally go there. And Old Tucson is this sort of icon. It's a place where every time I open my mouth and say, "Hey, I'm the creative director of Old Tucson," people get so excited. They get so sort of jazzed about it. And and it's such an interesting challenge to try and. Take that love and and that sort of passion people have, and then find a way to both include that and and really really hold on to that while also trying to to create something that is uh, that is uh, fresh and unique and and hopefully something that will get people even more excited uh, both locally and and far out i think we have tickets from 21 states at this point uh coming in in a couple different countries too which is exciting to me i love the idea of people coming all the way from the uk to to try this out and i i I think what we what we've done here is something really that i'm that i'm really proud of i think the team is really proud of and i think it's i I think it really is going to be something that uh this year will be fantastic in years to come will grow even further and uh I'm just, I'm so darn proud of everybody who has gotten involved in this because I think this is really, really something, uh, something different and fun. And I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be amazing for audiences to experience. I really do.
1: All right. Well, guys, again, really excited that this is happening. So uh, looking forward to hearing all about it uh, once it's up on its feet.
3: Thank you you very much. Yeah, it's been great talking with you.
2: Exactly. Thanks.
1: Justin Fix is the founder of Just Fix It Productions, who have been thrilling and chilling audiences here in L.A. for years with their twisted, sexy, cool, original immersive productions and providing megawatts of fun in the form of immersive activations for some of the biggest brands in the world. Hey, Justin.
0: Wow, tongue twister! Noah, Chilly Willy, here he is. <laughs> Activations for the thrilly.
1: <laughs> uh, you know, when I take the moment to write these things, sometimes I, I get I get it going on. Okay, so so most immersive Angelinos, I'm trying to come up with like a, a, a tag for us, but like w- w- I'll work on it. Uh, first met the JFI crew in the haunted halls of Creep, your spooky season perennial. But anyone who knows you knows that every year you say. This is the last one, and then come back and do it again. But not this year. No creep this year. You didn't. Oh, oh my, my gosh, time.
0: creep, creep disappeared for a moment. You know, and but, I do, I do say that, like for a, <laughs> for a blimp. Because we, we know
1: we we know you can't stay away. But the, but you still didn't stop Stubuki season action. You've still got a show this year, even though you're you're not doing creep.
0: You know what? And I think that lift for us to come out this year with a show that you know we mounted two shows in the middle of the pandemic you know in 2020 and 2021 we got some really big shows up um and i think just of not truly knowing the nature of what our fall was going to look like this year knowing that we know we all wore a mask last, last year performing and we are really looking to how can we come back in a safe approachable maybe not like with so much restriction and so much red tape and So much question mark going into our workplace every day, you know. So um, the Willows for us, you know, was sort of has been a tried and true. uh, And it was a show that we had mounted outside of the spooky season. And so sort of returning to it and sort of our roots and having it sort of live in the vein of sort of our creep sort of presentation of. Um, that is what, uh, we decided to do. And so we, we could be more thrilled to bring back the willows this fall to the loss, the Los Angeles community.
1: So for those outside the Southland, uh, remind us who the willows are.
0: Yeah. So the willows was a, a really kind of interesting concept that we came out and found in 2016. Um, we had just finished our second year of Creep. And we were really kind of jiving with it. And we had kind of, you know, by that time, maybe had 10,000 people through our doors. And we were starting to feel like, oh, the stories that we're trying to reach and we wanted to feel a little more theatrical and approachable. And we had just sort of redefined our type of haunted house. And so our next sort of approach was how do we kind of redefine sort of maybe a murder mystery dinner party. And with that, this like really eccentric, kind of bizarre idea of, inviting guests to a celebration which then unfolds to become sort of a celebration of life and you sort of fall down the rabbit hole through the course of like food and drink and family affairs and family fights and secrets and scares and it just just turns into debauchery and sort of monstrous nightmarish imagery Um, and ultimately we wanted our guests to sort of be live the ultimate thrill ride and sort of be you know thrown down the garbage disposal if you will um and come face to face with sort of the spirits um that haunt the house um so yeah that's kind of the willows and we, we we mounted that in 2016 we did it in 2017 and we did it in some really nice lengths of time um but never then, in spooky yeah, season
1: right like you never
0: like, in spooky you, season not even for a holiday. always like. No, never, like always like January through April, April through August, like it never saw uh, like a, you know, a fall winter run. Um, And the house, you know, we used to perform in the house, you know, when that house was a hundred degrees, like everyone had fans, like every window was open. Like we've seen this house in so many like forms. And I think coming back and dialing it up a little bit and like sort of you know anchoring it in and honoring the spooky season we've been able to kind of come back with so much more like witchery or enchantment or even more exploration or downright just more creepiness and scare factor um and so i'm just we've been really excited to sort of come back to the work the work you know after almost four years since we had last amounted it it doesn't
1: feel because of because of the high pandemic and, and that, that kind of like you know asterisk couple of years there, it doesn't feel like it's been four years. But yeah, it's been it has been nearly that long, Jesu Maria. Um, the thing I always thought was interesting about the Willows is it feels like one of those late you know, 20 teens, indie horror films kind of come to life, right? Like it's off kilter. Things are just kind of wrong without anything necessarily being like right on the thumbprint. But you've, you've been at this for a minute now. How, how is the show evolving as, as you kind of keep coming back to it?
0: Oh my God. Well, I just look at, you know, we, we laugh, you know, we're kind of, I laugh where we're, where we are now because, you know, like, my gosh, we year one, we had, you know, put dental dams in people's mouths and put brown paper bags on people's faces. And, you know, like, we're just a bunch of weird haunt kids. And like, you know, we like found this little haunted house in the middle of West Adams. And we're like, let's set people around a dinner party and have like this, you know, have everyone play their part and move them, you know, like, you know, people, I feel like, You know, John Braver had done like some really beautiful site specific work in a mansion, but I didn't ever think people like got to like spend the time to allow the space to like enhance the story. Um, And it's just gotten better. You know, like when we started the script, it was 28 pages by the end of our third year it was like almost 70 pages and now we're over close to like 110 pages of like scripted text and dialogue and history and facts and family tree like it's all so flushed out and when you have performers who've been you know at this for you know near going on 400 performances when we bridge you know this season like it just feels so authentic, you know, and it just feels so kind of lived in and I got to pay it to the talent, you know, cause it, they really help sell it. Um, but I think, Noah, we've just gotten better. And when I, when we were making this work in 2016, you know, like literally we built this show originally, I think for like $9,000, you know, mm. and you just mm. think after like year after year, we've sold it, we've bought it, we've sold it, we've bought it, you know? And so like coming back to it again, and i think having sort of all the treasures and the sound system and maybe some more special scare tricks that we never would have ever invested in previously before you know on creep seasons like before all the activations and stuff had come to us you know like the ticket price warrants the i i think the investment and the value were Trying to put into this thing, you know, we had to redo and reimagine the entire food service component to be compliant for food service and food handlers, and you know, like it, it's um, it's been really nice, uh, but we've really streamlined it. But I think the show has gotten um, so stronger. Hold on, so hold for, on. You, yeah, you,
1: you mentioned you got change the food service food. So, so is not going to make soup in the kitchen anymore. <laughs>
0: Deirdre's on that soup, but man, she's got <laughs> she's on some more seasonal. She's on some seasonal soup. Okay, but like I, but all like but like thinking about passing like cheeses and sharing bread plates and veggie plates and fruit plates and hummus and dips and butter spreads and pe- like pe- it's like people. This will be the first time I think a lot of strangers are sitting next to strangers at a rather intimate dinner party, and yeah. we just wanted to keep it as like condensed in his premium you know well while, while the drinks are flowing we just also wanted the plates to do it too but have not this notion of like you know i want people to feel like they're welcome and they want it, they feel comfortable to eat you know um and dine
1: were, were you worried because like the, the the ticket price did go up this year uh, because of some of these concerns uh before you put them on sale, were, were you worried about how that was going to impact the sales? We'll we'll get to what the actual sales were in a second, because that's yeah. that's another story beat. But were were you concerned?
0: Um, you know, like I mean, when you're paying twenty dollars for a martini here in Los Angeles, that's like a five ounce martini at the, you know, some West Hollywood bar, um, you know, like I start to really like, you know, we used to say you, you helped set this message about, you know, a dollar a minute, you know, and to, to me, to, to us, you know, like I'm very proudful. Our tickets started for creep from $35 to 55 to 75 to 93 to, you know, to, to, to 105. And now, yeah, the willows is climbing. But with that, like the willows is so much more like, It's food, it's hospitality, it's a little escape room, it's theater, it's in, you know, it's like, it's a, it's a full package. And so I think too, like knowing that with the inflation of so much from, from the lease rates to like wanting to pay our talent more, like knowing that actors haven't worked for two years, like um, you're, it's going, it's all, all your money is being spent in the right places. I can, again, I can guarantee you. And I hope people see that. Um, when they kind of sit down at our table that we do, we do focus in the details and we hope people pick up all, pick all that up as well. You know,
1: were you worried that people might not, might not jump at that price though? Like they might go like, oh, well, I've seen it before, you know, um, before yeah, yeah. the day you put the tickets on sale, right? Cause, cause yeah, we'll, yes. we'll, we'll, we'll get to that data point in one second. Uh, cause it's, it's pretty spectacular, Uh, Yeah, but going in that moment, were you?
0: Yeah, yeah, I would say like anyone who is you know still making work, like, and I think you know that's where I'm like, I mean, I I broke into this business when I think there was like eight eight huge other players in the market, Um, and I even see like who 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 clearly is dominating the space right now is like you know even Thirteenth Floor I think has like dominated the LA marketplace as far as like. Halloween experience goes. Oh yeah, they've, got, um, they've and,
1: got. They they own delusion, and they've got uh Jack Hayride, and they, 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 Hayride. The thing is coming. You know, like yeah,
0: like big everywhere. big environmental big Halloween, and with the Queen Mary going down. You know, horror nights and knots. They do their thing, and there's like some independent producers, but like yeah, I would say like anyone. This stuff is really anyone who wants. To make these things happen, you know, we tried to fall in line with what Sleep No More was doing, and Sleep No More has four hundred people running around five floors, and your one-on-one interactions—you're lucky if you now can even get one. And I, you know, like, and I think I—I look at all these models of like, you know, how much time do you have? How big are the group sizes? What are your takeaways? You know, how much? participation versus how much you know just like viewership in the experience like i i don't i if i don't i don't know a lot of people who are making this work no one i i know i say this to all of you and for all the listeners out here like it's so expensive and i just don't i if, if if the price doesn't warrant the experience like you know, when we're we're getting paid $70 to go to an escape room for an hour and it's just scenic design and puzzle games, you know, with, it's just like, I, I, you know, I don't know how to put a value to it. All I can do is I hope that the ticket warrants what it it is, because trust me, if I could make everything a $50 ticket and pay people to show up to work, then I would do it. But, you know, unfortunately, no, our costs don't even cover it. That's why we have to do a show Twice a night. It's not like these actors or us, us as business operators have the luxury of just showing up to work and doing one show and knocking it out of the park. Like, no, we have to usher our guests out, do a huge reset, and do again just to make sure we can sort of pay pay, pay, pay off our services, if you will. You know, um, and I always stand on a block because, like, as young creators who are being dominated by big corporations right now who are buying up the immersive industries, whether that be like the 13th floor entertainment people or whether that be like the daytics that just did it with secret cinema, like independent producers, like there you need big funds to create big, profound experiences um, because that's what people crave. But well, I will never dilute the experience to put 400 people in my walls so I can make money like, no, I will keep things intimate and special. So hopefully that door stays open for many, many more guests to come because they see scene and they see like the, the, the experience warrants, you know, that unbelievable childlike wonder and escapism, you know,
1: well, and anyway, good, that's well, long. No, no, it's okay. It's okay. Well, and uh, there's some stuff to drill in there about, um, about the, the what's going on in, in the industry right now as a whole, but I guess the the good news and the data point I keep teasing is that when you did put those tickets on sale, they sold out that day. So that must have been uh, a, a wonderful moment for you.
0: Yes. And I just, we haven't been able to be together and celebrate the ways that you and I have usually celebrated for two years, you know? And like, this is the Renaissance. Like, this is the year that I think people were like, oh, let's go and then when i look at like the opportunities of the things to go to i'm like i see very little opportunity and so i i just think there's just such a demand for this stuff um and i don't know if what everyone is seeking if it's actually what people are getting from these experiences
1: yeah we're we're in this really weird space i think because a lot of the mid-sized companies Who've been active in LA for a few years? Either they're they're dormant right now because the uncertainty, right? Because you you start planning one of these shows a long a long time uh, ahead of time, and you even touched on that by saying, you know, like you you didn't do Creep this year, and, and I got to imagine, you know, that uncertainty of like, well, what was the fall going to be like? But the Willows is something that's a lot more manageable, right? It feels How like about the
0: price of lumber, like we can't oh, yeah. even afford, like the pricing out the show, like creep come creep was coming in at over a half a million dollar build that's not even including a lease you know what i mean like i don't think people understand so like when you and i'm so candor because it's like everyone wants to then like not be paired with a group of 15 people or you know what i mean or people don't want to pay over a hundred dollars but like without that you're going to either have like too high of a throughput or you're going to have congo lines at horror nights and like yeah it's a fun experience, but like to me, I'm we're we're, try, we're trying to create diff, a different form of entertainment, like mm-hmm. a one that you really can show up for and be seen in. Well, um, I mean,
1: we know at like the the price ceiling on this thing as a whole as like a whole industry, a whole movement. The, the price ceiling is really high, right? Like everyone was balking at the price on Star Cruiser, uh, and and I'll still see people like outside of our circles either being misinformed and, and, and readily missing, not readily in the sense they want to be, but like, you know, it's easy to understand how they're misinformed about what it actually costs or just, just shitting on the very idea um, because of the the price threshold, because they have absolutely no idea how much it goes to, to get, uh, you know, how, how much it costs to get of things going just on the level of, of paying performers, uh, you know, a living wage is, but we see that that thing is selling, you know, like it, it, it is booking a year out now and like, they've opened up that far, which is something that, you know, six months ago, everyone was saying like, this will be changed and over and done with before you know it. And it's like, no, it's been a big success even at that high price point. And, and it's just something that people I think can't quite wrap their head around. Like I'm, when I get into conversations with folks about this, I always talk about the kind of work that, you know, you're doing here with the Willows, uh, or some of the other, you know, some of the other mid-sized companies in LA, when like the Speakey Society would be doing something, or particularly say E3W would would do something. This is like the Michelin fine dining of of experiential, you know, like these, these are gonna cost a little more, but they're more, they're memorable, they're intimate, they're, they are your, your one time out and there's there's a little bit here where like the, the the super enthusiasts of the shows they might go back a couple of times to to see something um and so the the season particularly spooky season can like rack up you know bills for folks but there's there's so still so much uh of an untapped market
0: and there's well, still and so much demand. and what i always have to just touch on is that like it's more than just a show. Like, you know, and I think like, you know, you pay, I went to just, see. I just went to the Pantages. I just dropped $260 to, you know, catch a show. Um, I just caught dinner and went and had dinner and had drinks and an appetizer and a gratuity. And I walked out at $120. You know what I mean? And before I know that I'm like, okay, so I'm a dinner and a show right there. I'm already at two fit. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and it, that's, so like, to me, I'm like, yes, we are, we are trying to service you, your group of friends, like a full night out. So it's, it's two hours. Hopefully it provides you two hours of entertainment. And then that the show provides enough thought or questions or engagement or intrigue that then your night can unfold and it will carry you and your conversation home with you and, you know, and make your night continue for another two hours. Um, and and that and that and that's all like honestly that's all i can really say when it always comes down to like pri- price 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 um and i will tell you too being a a person who operates a theater company based on ticket sales yeah you don't want to outright outprice yourself um, and i think that's what we what we all need to continue to decide when there's so many types of labeled immersive experiences happening in the marketplace that like Yes, is a Van Gogh muse- museum projection mapping worth this? Is a drive-through experience worth this? Is a Synes- you know what I mean? Um, and yeah, I think what I always just strive to is just continue to work harder and better for myself because we are a hospitality company first. We We're now we have formed into an events company, um, but we are storytellers. And what's something that you will never lose in our work is the performance nature of people tell stories. And this is all about connecting people. Um, I'm not trying to like, you know, do anything different, but just move people through stories and have profound takeaway moments.
1: You've built this, you talk about people telling stories, you've built this performance troupe really over the past five, six years. and it has been a while since they got into to get their hands on the wheels again uh what's it like being back with the cast with them re-inhabiting the roles uh once more
0: a lot of life has happened for everyone you know we've all aged 4 years like when this show happened you know um misha reeves had lost um her dad and then her brother i had lost my dad dasha lost her you know it was like grief 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 through this um the show really moved and worked a lot of us through all of that um and i think coming back to this like we're we're almost the whole original is the whole original cast is back except for like two roles um for scheduling conflicts and so you know and every role because of COVID is also double cast and so we the coverage is there um so we have you know an army i would you know call it of you know 20 actors you know melinda decay like the show would be nothing without her you know she's done every single show you know again near 400 performances and um you know she's she just she just jumps right back in and last night was our first our first dress rehearsal and this stuff is so crazy because it it comes together but until you have people in your chairs you're just like Improving to a room full of actors to imaginary people you know like it's it's laughter it's like us at all sitting around the dinner table and it's like hook and we're all like imagining we're eating this like huge feast of food and like chattering and yet (laughs) there's no one at the dining room table you know what I mean and so it's so beautiful because like when the lights come together and then the costumes get turned on and then the relationships start to form but like the energy and the way the show shifts and just by those who, who attend like for the first time they got to play and it was just so beautiful to start to see the life breathe again when you get to see these moments happen. So we move into previews next week and we're hopefully we'll get our, all of our jitters out and get to hear the pacing of this beast of this machine of a show that really runs itself, you know, over the course of five hours, we do show two shows and um yeah, we're thrilled. Here we are. The audience, you're thrilled.
1: The audience was thrilled. The the sellout in one day, but there's another block of tickets coming, correct?
0: Yes, yes, yes. We, um, yeah, everyone who showed up, we've, re- we've been doing this thing for Creep, like releasing our tickets at midnight. I don't know why it was a thing. I think our box office people told us that it was like, that's when it happens. It clicks in the next day. So we like went for it so yeah people stayed up way too late so sorry everyone but tickets went really fast and so we we kept a chunk because we hadn't even gotten to like halloween talk like we hadn't like really hit even any events calendars or like nor were i think the average people thinking about halloween yet so on october 15th we are going to release our next like wave of tickets um we have about like 500 more tickets that will be open which is kind of like our little extended run so it's like we're here running for six weeks so we've only um released the first like four weeks and so we'll release the next couple sort of and first two weeks of november will be open to kind of catch this show before it closes but um yes please they'll go on sale october 15th at noon um so please um come out we'd love to have you out we're running wednesday through sunday
1: is there ever a chance we'll see the Willows family outside of Los Angeles and and the Southland?
0: You know, Noah, you never say never. Um, I would not imagine we'd be coming back for a fourth remount of this show. And I just think it just shows you sort of that we've built this little thing and why we've like now refined this thing. It's just become like this really nice Bible. Um, So we've actually been able to like present it to people and have people like Be able to digest this and we're really like we're really would love to work with like good partners like airbnb like experiences or get involved with you know a a great hotel company um or maybe some historic like um you know bed and breakfasts across the country um but we're having really cool conversations in like markets like austin and in nashville about new orleans a really great you know mounting up kind of temporary temporarily um because the show really kind of is that like missoula children's theater you know like throw it in the back of a truck like we can do it you know what i mean it's (laughs) like and i just love i'd love and i think that's what we really need to do i just would love to introduce this this sort of art form um in other markets so we can start to grow all these other markets you know because i think we've seen when that happens things like vegas happen and florida happen you know like Um, so yeah, really hopeful. I would, I would love that to happen
1: Well, and there's, there's definitely a lot of potential out there. And I think what we've seen is the demand exists. Um, even in the face of the last couple of years, even in the face of, of, uh, you know, a forced recession, like people still make this a priority because it, it provides so much joy for them Um, we were on
0: such a roll like you know what i mean like 2020 man i was like i I was like the glass is about to break and i and it did and now i think it's like events have like really really were strained and stressed hard during um on ways that what they had to go through through processes and you know so i think the way that events people are approaching events what people want out of events you know from the virtual how everything like i think um people are ready and I think um I uh I, I think we all need to yeah, I'd like to start working with some like I've always said this, like I think we all need to start growing these markets together, um, so we can really like rise like these waters of like what is immersive, what is it? and and really start identifying sort of all the, the layers and the value in those different offerings that come with these like services, you know? Oh yeah. Um. So the public can like digest um, and start su- supporting it, you know, really.
1: Yeah. Well, I think, I think we're, I think what we can see from the way some of the, the big players are are maneuvering, they believe in it too. And Honestly, like I'm starting to get cautiously optimistic again after a long period of time of just being <laughs> kind of depressed about everything, because I'm seeing enough green shoots, seeing enough interest. Um, you know, in in the three spaces you need, you need to see the public interest and people actually wanting to go to the shows, wanting to go to the experiences. We see that. You need to see investor. And financial interest, we're definitely seeing that on like the big scale level. And of course, you know, they've, they've got their pressures there and what they want to do. And then seeing the interest from, you know, the infrastructure from cities and, and local governments wanting to find ways to revitalize, you know, the, the, the more bun downtowns and the shopping districts. And we're starting to see that as well. And, and the conditions are, are, are there. Um, yeah. And, and honestly, uh, all the ingredients are there. We need that little spark of, of, of magic. Amen. Justin, thank you so much. Uh, I'm really excited that The, the Willows is back. Uh, I'm, I'm glad you're getting so many people through, through the doors this season. And I know you're going to have something in 2023 to... to bend all our minds around again
0: oh RMI. oh oh here we go <laughs> here, here we go off to work we go hi ho hi ho it's off to work we go you guys might execute <laughs> no no uh, thank you so much happy halloween buddy and um trick-or-treat everyone um everyone stay safe um enjoy it um play a little bit um and um have fun
1: Thank Eric, Michael, and Justin for being our guests on the show this week. Check the show notes for links to all their work. Speaking of work, here in LA, got a couple of recommendations for you right now. Uh, First off, uh, this is the last weekend to check out Corinne Wicks casting over at Thymele Arts. I think there's a few tickets left. Uh, This one is a total treat. Uh, having having gotten to see it in 2019 I've talked about it here before uh, And seeing the most recent uh, iteration of it It's something we kept on programming into the next stage And then COVID kept on crushing us uh, But it's an absolute delight there at Thaimili, uh If you want to catch something quick this weekend Also on Monday, uh, coming up Uh, is the last, at least for now, the last edition, or at least the last announced edition, maybe it will extend, of uh, Boston Bar Bloodsuckers. This is from Cricklewood Immersive. It's happening at the Roguelike Tavern here in Los Angeles. Actually, in Burbank. (laughs) Shouldn't make that mistake. I wish I lived in Burbank. That's a whole nother thing. Um, But anyway, (laughs) sometimes I do voices. I apologize. I don't apologize at all, actually. You don't want me to apologize for the voices. Trust me. Uh, if I apologize, then there'll be trouble. Um, <laughs> what's going on? I don't know. But Boston Bar Bloodsuckers is at the Roguelike Tavern in Burbank. Uh, there, and uh, we went this past Monday. Uh, you can see Juliet's review, the the write up there on No Proscenium. Uh, she went up Friday up like a whole feature length review. We 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 popped that out there. It was also in the rundown this week. And this, if if you if you like. Like me, either grew up or were of of the age t- to to know Cheers very well. Uh, this is a loving tribute to that show, uh, and also it's about vampires and it's got a murder mystery swing to it. So it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's goofy. It's silly. Um, it's the interactive part of it is the the part where you get to like interrogate everybody once once the murder has happened. Um, uh, uh, but up until that point, it's it's like being in the bar as the show's going on. Uh, it, is, it is fully sitcom mode, uh, and I, I love a bit of environmental theater, uh, as we all know, when it's done well, and this is done well. It's from the folks who brought us The Sleepover, uh, which was also something that was part of the Invitational. Wow, that's, yeah, there's a connection there. Back in 2019, and that had a run uh, on Zoom. It was one of my favorite things that people were doing on Zoom. Uh, During the high pandemic era, Uh, but uh, go check it out. Uh, The roguelike is a great venue for this sort of stuff. Uh, Shout outs to John McCormick for uh, opening up the bar during the middle of the high pandemic and for making it a great spot for the community as a whole. Um, yeah, that's the LA report. Uh, it's been a busy news season, uh, all sorts of stuff going on. Uh, of course, last week we talked about today ticks buying, um, my brain is dying. Uh, secret cinema. I just saw a line item. Haven't seen the report, uh, but I just saw a line item that a uh, punch drunk has signed with CAA. Uh, so things are moving and grooving all over the place on the business side of things and we're really looking forward to uh, seeing some more ground level work and some more emerging artists uh, emerge. Uh, gonna see what we can do about helping to facilitate some of that in the year ahead. As always, if you are a creator and you want to have your Uh, your stuff get out there to more people. Please, please, please submit a listing to everythingimmersive.com. This is how we process things. Um, The shop keeps getting smaller because everyone keeps getting jobs that don't let them play with us anymore. You know, Catherine's off at a at a video game company making a really cool video game, Uh, and uh, Patrick uh, has uh, gotten sucked up into some major work stuff. So. Uh, the flow of it all, the folks working behind the scenes are getting increasingly day to day. It's just me, so it means it's really important that folks submit and don't just send us your press release, but submit your um, your shows, your events, your online experiences, your boxes to everythingimmersive.com. That's how we generate not only the newsletter, but also we generate uh, those pieces out into our social media feeds. Not only Twitter, but now Facebook as well. We want to get your work in front of as many people as possible. And if you want to review, that's when you send us something to pitches at for review consideration. Uh, if we've got the team members uh, who want to jump in, we will send them out and we will get that up into our review rundown. And if they have a lot to say about it, it gets a feature length review. That's how that works. For everyone else uh, who doesn't have something to promote but just turns to us to know what's going on, uh, feel free to hit us up on social media and let us know what coverage you value the most. Uh, We want to be making the right stuff for you. Also, uh, maybe even better, uh, drop by our Discord. We have a brand new forum set up now that Discord has forums, and uh, it's a great way to have discussions. Uh, it's it's maybe the best, most focused, easiest way, and it's with folks who are super dedicated. Uh, I like it better than Facebook, even though we've got you know we've got the Everything Immersive Facebook group, which is like almost twelve thousand people strong at this point. So it's that's our biggest venue, but the one I love the most is when I, I when we get into it in the discord forums. I've been waiting a long time to have a forum and I'm super excited. So come over, join us, uh, chat about stuff. Uh, if you, if you post in the forum, I'm going to make this deal for, for this coming week. If you post in the forum, you start something, uh, I will comment on it. I will, I will chat with you in the forum that way there there's our pact really trying to get the forums going. I really want them to be a spot. All right. Enough of me. Uh, there's been too much me today already. Uh, it's, uh, it is the 30th of September as I'm recording this, maybe even as you're listening to it, October's just around the corner, my favorite month for all kinds of reasons. And, uh, let's get into it. All right. Got to do the, time to do the credits. The associate producer of this show is Parker Sella. Music for no percentage is by Chris Porter of the Speakeasy Society. Special thanks to Siobhan O'Loughlin for voicing our intro, uh, the rest of the damage all the babbling that's my fault i'm noah nelson and until next time i'll see you at the show